Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the 4th and 1 podcast. I'm your host Darren Butler and joining me today is Andy Jones. Andy, uh, feel free to introduce yourself, tell us uh, who you've been following uh, in the NFL, why you started following them and just in general, like uh, what is it that you love about the game? Yeah, happy happy to go through that. Well, um, I've been supporting the game since 1986 now. Uh, I'm a very long-suffering New York Jets fan, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, not much success in all of these years. I uh, kind of got into it in the boom in the 80s, still not sure why I picked the Jets. Some counselling to go to for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll work it out one day. I, I blame it down to one game in 1986 between the Dolphins and Jets, where the Jets look impressive and 151-45. I'm putting it down to that. Um, so, yeah, interest in the game's been sort of ebbing and flowing between then obviously the 80s was quite big disappeared a bit in the 90s and then it's come back over over late um so from my perspective i love the game because it's quite i I love the fact it's the uh biggest sport in the united states but it's got quite a communist ideology in the sense that everybody's even so coming from an even base the salary cap so it should keep everybody relatively even paced unlike the premiership in here in this country where it's all about who's got the most money. Um, yeah, so, sure. yeah. I think that's probably what uh, attracts a lot of people, um, certainly from um, the UK <coughs> and, and across Europe. Like you say, the, the, the money aspect and the, the division of talent um, yeah. uh, through, the, through the draft metric is, 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 is a great kind of attraction for a lot of people. Um, do you ever think that there'll be a, a shift here in, in, in the UK and Europe with, with football the way it is? Do you think there'll ever be a balance, uh, you know, a, a shift of power or a balancing of power um, uh, in, in that in that way? I think the problem is to do that, you'd need something like you'd need something structured like a salary cap or a CBA, something to sort of curtail the spendings. I know they brought in the financial fair play rules recently, but I think the problem is because it's not. On one single country, I think it's very hard to have that sort of control in in the English uh, game. So there's always going to be about who's who's got the most. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, I know that they've they've, they've proposed <coughs> many times, certainly from a, from a Premier League perspective, to have kind of a, a salary cap or, or or a cap on kind of the, the the maximum you can spend on transfers and, and things like that. Um, do you think that would uh, at least maybe balance it out if? You know, one team um, couldn't spend a hundred million pound more than the other. Do you think that would like maybe even things up a little bit more? It might even stuff up a little bit. I think what what the game in this country probably needs more to learn from American sport is more around the contracts, um, how contracts are structured. So I think like in, in, in our game, having guaranteed three hundred thousand pound every week, whether you're injured or not playing or not in form, I think that's kind of a very odd way to go. And I think the American contracts where you have a guaranteed amount and a lot of it's incentive-based is more of the way to go. And so definitely something our game can learn. Whether you'd be able to do that with the agents over here, um, that's a tricky one. I think clubs in this country needs, and other countries need to have more control about their players, what they're paying them. I think the guaranteed stuff is a little bit, a little bit out of control at the moment. Sure. So, um, see, so you, you followed the sport for a lot longer than I have, um, and perhaps maybe have a, a bit more knowledge around kind of how the, the the contracts work over 
in in the NFL. Obviously, I understand like the the basics of like there's a guaranteed amount, and then they get X amount for performances. So whether that's number of touchdowns, how deep they go into the postseason, maybe it's it's reliant on getting to the playoffs or the Super Bowl or, or, or things like that. But you mentioned there about kind of when players aren't active or or injured. So is there a situation where if a player is injured that they're they're not necessarily uh, being paid aside from their their guaranteed uh, amount. Well, I think it's more it's more about the way this. We've seen it this week with um, Josh Gordon, who apparently put an injured reserve and then just cut. So it's kind of like the ability to just get rid of the player if they're not going to be suitable for them or whether they've got a long term injury. So I think it kind of gives the club the ability to get out of those long term contracts, and it's how they weight the contracts. Obviously. Um, they wait contract. It's very, very difficult, obviously, because I've, I've done a lot of trying to study around the cap and understanding how the cap work, cap numbers work. And um, there's a very good website called Over the Cap that um, is very good if anyone wants to learn a lot more about that. Um, how it shows basically transparency into how every player's contract is structured. Um, so if you ever want to know what player X is being paid, it shows them being paid this much year one, two, three, four. So what you find is used to be um, in the 90s that a lot of um, players' contracts were front-loaded, so the money would be paid in the first two years, and then it would be a lot less in the second and third, year, third and fourth year. I think now that's kind of gone away with a bit more even and a back-loaded contract, so players have a bit more stability, so they're not cut after two years. Or So it's an interesting way to structure a contract. You see how, how the club kind of wants to keep the player based on how the contract's structured and how long the contract is. So my Jets recently have a problem that we traded Leonard, Leonard Williams recently. He was $14 million against our cap this year, which is a lot of money to play for an average defensive player. Yeah, sure. um, but obviously next year that money will come off the cap and that will be us, us to spend. We've got the problem that we have our cornerback, um, whose name's Tem- uh, Tremaine Johnson, who we put in a five-year contract, who is terrible. We just recently placed him on injury reserve and we'll probably cut him in the close season but he's a player we're paying 12 million a year and will continue to be against our cap for the next two to three years wow despite so the fact even yeah despite the fact that he won't despite, be yeah, on the so, field so it, for you you're going to be yeah. paying essentially 24 million dollars for, for for a player that's effectively putting uh putting nothing uh back yeah. into so it that, so that's an example of a bad contract put together for a player who really wasn't worth it so yeah, although, sure. although the Though the the cap number will stay quite well, the money we'll actually physically pay them will be a lot. At least the, the cap number should go down year by year, and and what's classified the what the classified dead money should decrease against that number. Yeah. So, and, and I guess as well with uh, with the way that the Jets have, have performed over the last uh, two or three seasons as well, that you know, you're, you're picking up or should potentially be picking up uh, some of the higher. Um, uh, uh, draft picks um, potentially those uh, are types of players that could turn into 14, 15, 16 million dollar you know uh, a year players uh, have, you, yeah. have, have you seen much from from the recruits over the over the last two seasons um, that, have, that have come through at the Jets that maybe you might have uh, someone that's worth keeping beyond their, their rookie years well, I think the Jets have have a very hit and miss record as far as drafting goes lately. Um, obviously, we drafted uh, Jamal Adams two years ago. That was a brilliant pickup. He's a star safety. This year, we 
picked up um, Williams, defensive tackle. He was he's solid, but hasn't looked spectacular. We cut a number two second round pick <laughs> after about two weeks, so that wasn't great. Um, so we kind of were very much hit and miss on our draft picks of late. Um, we've had some stinkers over the years. I can think of Leonard Gol- uh, Golston. We drafted that 2006 at number four or five. He was terrible. Um, Mark Sanchez. I can. Th- there's been so many bad first round picks for us. We kind of intermittent between a great one and a terrible one. Um, the problem is, it's just talent evaluation. We'll probably end up picking, I estimate, second or third this year, the way we're going. Um, but that might give us the ability to do something in the draft, especially if we end up picking out of the Dolphins. Yeah, I think we, we, we mentioned it in the in, in the previous episode, actually, between myself uh, and Jack, actually, that um, there, there, there seems to be like a number of teams that are really performing... Um, quite badly, whether or not that's on purpose to be able to gain a, a higher yeah. um, draft pick. So you could probably say the Dolphins, maybe the Bengals are tanking on purpose to try and gain that number number one, number two, number three slot to be quite high uh, in, in that first round. I, yeah, I think the Dolphins have been because they've obviously shipped off a lot of talent this year. Um, they've got rid of Fitzpatrick and uh, Tunsil and Bestig and, in, and Kenyon Drake recently, they're, they're shipping out most of their talent. I think uh, Xavier Howard is about their only really talented player left on their books. But I think they're probably were, were shifting talent away to try and get first pick. I think the Bengals are just a bad team. Right. Um, I think the loss of AJ Green for most of the season hasn't helped. Dalton's form, their line is quite weak. Defensively, is quite old. I think... In their case, they're just bad. The Redskins, again, it's just that they're a bad team. And yeah. the Jets Jets are a bad team. I don't think any of these teams are tanking on purpose. These teams, apart from the Dolphins, are tanking on purpose, as it were. I just think they're badly structured teams at the moment with too many holes to fill and just too much. Not enough Not enough strong, strong ability at quarterback in any of those cases. Um, probably weak offensive lines. This tends to be a trend. You're weak on the lines, you're going to be a bad team. Sure, uh, I, I, I understand um, where where you're uh, where you're coming from um, with the, the the Bengals. Certainly, you know zero um, and, and eight, so no wins at all this year. But um, it they would... do play the Dolphins, so they could get one. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So um, obviously uh, a big weekend for, for for the Jets this weekend. It's uh, what we what we here in, in, in England would call a, a derby game. It's the New York derby this uh, this weekend between the Giants and the Jets. Um, both actually miraculously have very similar records, despite how uh, bad uh, the, the Jets have been. So uh, Giants are on two and seven. Jets are on one and seven. Uh, what are you hoping from this game that that essentially is between probably two of the the, the, the worst teams um, in the division at the moment? Um, well, I, I hope for a win, but in truth, after last week's performance, it's going to be tough. I think both of these teams are in situations where they've got weaknesses all over, questions at quarterback. Our, our offensive line is probably the worst in the league, I think. Worst coached for certainly. The Giants have issues protecting Daniel Jones at the moment. Defenses, they're both okay. Not great. Um, it's going to be a close game. I, f- I think, I think the betting odds has has us as underdogs by about two and a half points. So I think it's about right. 
I think we'll probably just lose it, sadly. But I hope for more, but there's not much hope after one win of us actually beating the Giants. Yeah, I mean, I think you can probably, um, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, let's say get get something out out of the game. Uh, you know, it's it's not like you're, you're we're going in uh, to this this weekend where the Jets and the Giants have uh, completely opposite records. Um, you know, let's say the, the the Giants themselves have only won twice um, all season, um, and I believe the game is uh, at the Jets. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure home field event counts much in that game. Right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the same stadium, you just switch locker rooms. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Jets have this chance if they get off to a fast start, get a couple of touchdowns up, maybe they hold on. But honestly, even with Donald the quarterback, with that offensive line, I can't see him staying upright enough to do any damage, which is my concern. Um, but... Time will tell. I guess it, it depends how, for both teams. The case it's it's how you start the game. Um, if you start with a good positive vibe, you get a couple of touchdowns up. You probably end up winning. But if it ends up being like three three at halftime, could go either way. Yeah, Fingers sure. crossed either way. But I'd like I'd like a win. It'd be nice to beat the Giants. Yeah, you? I, I, I think I think when when two teams have got like close records like that, and obviously you've got the uh, the added uh, kind of spice of them both being New York teams, it, it certainly will add something to the game. So um, I think it's definitely going to be maybe uh, the the one to watch this weekend. Uh, I assume obviously you're going to be uh, watching the game. Are there any other games uh, taking place uh, this weekend that you would highlight that maybe might have the same sort of connotations, maybe kind of similar records or just two teams that are just really going to go at it uh this weekend uh well similar records i think on the similar records front it's probably the bucks and the cardinals uh, against each other um it's at tampa so bucks are favorites both have similarly poor records cardinals are obviously a growing team um their their addition of drake helped them definitely last week stay a lot more competitive with san francisco than probably anyone thought they would the bucks are a funny team can throw the ball like a 400 yards every single game <laughs> but um just don't have any defense um so that's going to be a close game i think the bucks probably might just sneak that um but that's going to be a close competitive game there's a lot of tasty games close games um the thursday night game charges raiders could be very close um probably the game of the week looking at it i quite like the vikings cowboys game that's quite, going to be quite competitive, I think. The Vikings and the uh, the Cowboys. Cowboys um, yeah. Yeah, obviously, again, like you said, very similar uh, records. So that's the Monday night game. Um, so six and three uh, for the Vikings, I believe. Five and three for the Cowboys. So, yeah, I, I think the Cowboys will probably go into that and certainly think that they, they, they can um, match the Vikings. Um play for play, try and get something out of the game. Certainly, whoever wins that game will uh, will start to feel like that they they can plot a path towards the playoffs. Um, we have Dallas going six and three. Uh, they're potentially only two or three more wins away from uh, certainly putting themselves in the wild card picture. Um, and if uh, Minnesota win, you know they come out of this weekend with a seven and three record, perhaps needing maybe again two or three extra wins across the rest of the season. 
and uh, yeah, they start looking like uh, good kind of wild card playoff contenders. Um, so yeah, absolutely, I think that's a, a, a great game to look out for. Uh, for me personally, um, for very similar reasons actually, um, the uh, Green Bay Packers uh, versus the Carolina Panthers um, uh, is a good game to watch out for. Uh, on paper, it looks like the Packers would would um, absolutely uh, run over the, the Panthers, but as we said in, in the previous episode, um, the Panthers were in a position where their first two losses, or the, the two losses on their record anyway, uh, were in the first two weeks and they were on, they were on a four-game run. Um, they went on and won uh, uh, that, that fifth game um, in a row um, and they lost last weekend um, uh, but again going against the, the Packers uh, anything can happen. Um, they're the, the type of team that uh, we've seen plenty of times they, they don't really come alive until the fourth quarter um, so if you can find yourself in a position where you are perhaps uh, 14, 21 points to the good going into the fourth quarter. With Aaron Rodgers, nothing's a certainty. We've seen Green Bay come back from that before, but I just feel like if the Panthers are in that position, um, they're not likely to let uh, a 21-point lead slip uh, late in the game. Um, and again, puts them on 6-3 and three coming out of the weekend and realistically probably need three, maybe four more wins um, out of the remaining six games to, to really kind of... Um, plot a path to the playoffs so that would be my game to uh, look at this week yeah that's good that's good that's a good one because it's basically the panthers have strength is running in a ball for christian mccaffrey and the packers weaknesses they can't stop the run so it's kind of strength against weakness so panthers could keep that quite close um up until last weekend when the packers were dreadful for like three three and a bit quarters um but it could be a close one yeah i like that game yeah, uh, obviously my uh, my Indiana Colts um, went down against the Steelers um, last weekend, but we are hoping to bounce back against the Miami Dolphins uh, this weekend. So uh, again, hopefully we are going to come out this weekend with a with a six and three record and and keep that kind of uh, playoff uh, hopes alive. Um, where else do you kind of see other teams really kind of? starting to put themselves in, in the playoff picture um, for, uh, for the rest of the season well it's kind of like there's some make and break make or break ones as far as the playoffs go um, the Bills and Browns could be interesting the Bills don't have much in the way of offence the Browns kind of have to win or they're, they're, they're out I think so that might be a bit of desperation for the Browns they kind of have to win this week to start getting any chance of a wild card yeah. um, the Bills Every time they come against anyone half decent, kind of fall away. So they're they're they are a wild card team at the moment, I think. But there's lots of weaknesses on that side. Um, in in your in your opinion, what's what's the Browns' um, kind of biggest downfall so far this season? Because they they looked uh, like you know really rejuvenated um, under Baker Mayfield, or when when Mayfield came in late last season. Um, and they just seem to not really have, have got started uh, yet this year. I think their Achilles heel is much the same as a lot of the bad teams. They don't have a very good offensive line. Um, Mayfield's running around a lot more than he needs to. He's not getting the time to throw to these good wide receivers, so therefore he's he's in trouble from that perspective. Um, it doesn't matter how much talent you've got on the skill positions, if you don't get time to throw the ball, you can't really do much. Um, I think coaching's a problem in that one as well. Um, I think Freddie Kitchens came in 
um, from I think he was offensive coordinator the previous last year. Um, correct, yeah, yeah, because Greg Williams took off as coach halfway through the season, That's and he right. got he he improved their record. Kind of hope that happens to my Jets as well. He might take over, yeah, but I think Gase. Yeah. Was, I think we're stuck with Gase for the rest of the season, sadly. Um, but yeah, I think I think Kitchens hasn't really done enough with that team. He hasn't. I did his record probably doesn't show that he's a strong enough coach. I, whether he makes it through the rest of the season could be one of those who goes in the close season, depending if the Browns want to stick with him or not. Um, Mayfield's kind of regressed because he's not getting time. Um, Odell Beckham's not getting anything thrown his way. I think they've got a great running back. Chubb's great. Um, they get, I think, Kareem Hunt back from suspension soon, either um, next week or this week. Yes, I'm not sure. I think it's another two, another two weeks left to go. So that could make them a bit dangerous if they've got those two in the backfield, um, especially because Hunt's dangerous catching the ball. Um, but again, defensively, they're hit and miss. One week they're very, very good. One week they're seemingly very, very poor. Um, so they've kind of underperformed just because, again, I think what you'll find is good good teams have good offensive lines and good defensive lines, and bad teams don't. That tends to be the, the way of it. Your Colts have a very good offensive line. That's why they've been able to succeed, even without their uh, Andrew Luck in there. So I think that gives you stability. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's probably uh, something that has let us down uh, in the previous sort of four or five seasons, and, and actually probably was a catalyst for, for Andrew Luck retiring as early as he did. But um, Jacoby Brissett is is certainly now uh, benefiting from from having uh, some some really kind of strong personalities in the offensive line now. Um, which is which is great to see. Um, you said obviously uh, about the Browns there that they will probably need to get uh, get going this week if they if they have any hopes of, of reaching kind of the, the playoffs or the, or the World Cup position. Uh, now obviously we, we, we've kind of only got seven games left to go with with the potential that they may be able to get to like a, a ten and six situation if they win the next um, eight straight games. Is is that likely? Is, have you seen that before from a team that's, that's been in such a disadvantaged position and, and then come through really late on? Well, I'm not sure 10-6. and six, I think you can probably get in with 9-7 and seven in the AFC. I think it's going to be slightly lower for the wild card. Um, so I think potentially if they get on a little bit of a run, um, I, they, I don't know if they play the Bengals yet, so there's some easy wins. Um, I think potentially that if you can string two or three, I think for their perspective they just have to string a couple of wins together just to get a bit of confidence whether they make the whole run all the way they're kind of in a do or die situation so they're the kind of backs up against the wall it's it's a win or you're kind of done and that might bring the best out of them it might not um there are a few teams in kind of that situation at the minute um the lions are kind of like that they kind of need to win to keep their push ahead because i think the nfc is a bit harder to get into those playoffs there's a bit more quality up top um, yeah, so yes, Detroit Lions three and four at the moment. So again, yeah, I, th- I think uh, perhaps sort of three or four wins over the over the next eight would certainly put them in contention. I, I think, but as you say, on, on their side of the of kind of the way of the NFL, kind of the way that it's made up, uh, certainly on, on the Lions side, that you're you're probably looking more towards a. A ten six kind of ten six maybe 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 eleven yeah, maybe eleven and five to get into the just because I think if you we look at the NFC the 49ers, the Seahawks are quality the Vikings have a good record the Cowboys will get a good record Panthers have solid record Packers 
Rams will be there or thereabouts. There's a lot of teams who are going to be there or thereabouts. Um, so there's a lot of strength in that. Yeah, and certainly with the way that the 49ers are going. So they are 8-0 and at the moment, I believe. Um, yep. So uh, looking very, very good. Uh, what, what do you think has been the, the, the spark for the 49ers kind of turnaround in form? Because if you had looked at them last year, you would never have imagined that um, they, they would have gone eight straight at the beginning of this season. I think what's probably changed them. I mean, obviously they lost um, Jimmy G last year to injury, which didn't help them. Um, so having him all seasons definitely give them a bit of stability. He's not been fantastic, but he hasn't needed to be. Again, their offensive line has been solid, and they've run the ball down people's throats. Um, they've got obviously Coleman, um, Breeder, um, Mostert, and Wilson. Basically, they can throw any running back in it, and he seems to do well. So that tells you that the line just loves to run. Um, the addition of Manuel Sanders, I thought, was a very good pick in free agency. That will definitely help them further down the line. And I think picking up Bosa at number two was, yeah, that definitely helped. Having him and D Ford, their pass rushing is, is scary at times. They can throw uh, DeForest Buckner's another one. He's scary in the middle. They've got a lot of threats from that line. Um, the linebacking core uh, is pretty solid. They lost Q1 Alexander to injury recently, so that might slow them down a little bit. And, yeah, their backfield's pretty good. Sherman's back there guiding things. So I think they're going to be... I think they'll probably end up something like 13-3 at the end of the day. Um, they'll lose a few. Okay, so you, you, you're forecasting a, a couple of losses there. Um, I, uh, yeah, how, I think, how kind of familiar are you with their schedule? Where, where, do you th- where do you see those losses coming? Well, I see the first one this week, and I see the Seahawks beating them. So that Seahawks team is good, because Russell Wilson's back there, and he doesn't really quit. So I think that, that could be their potential first, first loss. Um, so, yeah, I think... They'll, they'll they'll have a couple. They'll probably hit, they'll probably slip up like week seventeen when they're resting players. So that might be a, their third loss. And there's, there's a couple more down the line. I'm sure they've. I'm trying to look at their schedule, but I'm sure they've got some more tricky games against the Rams. The Rams will need to win to stay alive. Uh, are the Ravens on their schedule um, at all? Um, Just thinking because obviously Ravens took took the uh, took the um, uh, undefeated uh, run off the Patriots. Maybe they they could. Uh, Take away two undefeated streaks this this year. Potentially, I'm just gonna bring up the schedule. See if I can try and find it. So let's see. Let's uh, who they've got left. So they've got the Seahawks. They've got the Packers. Ah, they do have the Ravens. <laughs> they've got the Saints. So interesting. interesting. So that that's a tough that's a tough little run in there. Um, yeah, yeah. In fact, they have Seahawks, Packers, Ravens, Saints, Rams, and Seahawks again. So I can see three losses in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That is, that's, that's a beast of a schedule to finish. Yeah, yeah. I think as much uh, criticism that the Patriots have come under for the schedule that they've faced so far, I mean, not that you can criticise a team for you know a, a randomly generated schedule, but um, it, it certainly feels like the, the 49ers have, have got the, the, the tougher of the two runs out of the two, out of the two teams so um, yeah. it certainly will be interesting to see if they can keep hold of uh, their undefeated streak um, as, as, the, uh, as the weeks tick by um, 
but uh, certainly it will make for some great games, I believe, because uh, the Seahawks, Ravens, uh, the Saints, like you say, like teams like that that, that kind of have some really good records themselves, but it's going to create some really, uh, really good games as we go into the final few weeks of the, of the regular season. Definitely so. Um, yeah, it's going to make some tasty blondes late in the season when people are fighting for that home field advantage. Absolutely. Uh, so, are you much of a, uh, a fantasy football player, Andy? Are you uh, yeah. in any, any leagues this year? How, how are you getting on? And, and do you have any kind of uh, suggestions or picks uh, for our listeners this week? Uh, well, in fact, I've been doing fantasy since about 2002, I think, in total. So, I've been doing it quite a while. Okay. I've, I put myself in four leagues this year, just to be competitive. And I also run one, so that helps. Oh, um, so, so far, I'm doing all right. This is a rare season where I'm doing all right in most of them. Still in the top four for most of them. Um, yeah, it's a, yeah. I think the get the, the interesting one if you're looking for pickups this week. Um, the news that Nick Foles is going to be back at the Jaguars could be could be a potential pickup for people. Um, could boost their pass game a bit um, after Gardner Minshew got benched. So that could be an interesting one for people to look t- towards. Um, I think anyone, anyone looking for a defense this week, pick anyone playing the Dolphins or the Jets. So, so, so your Colts defense this week would be a very good one for people to pick up, or the Giants. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I got quite. Uh, it's fantasy is a bit strange in the sense that you pick up players who are going to be quality, and then you pick up potentials. I think for most of my leagues, I got I bought into the idea that Austin Eckler would score a lot of points. For the charges, and that kind of worked out until, obviously, he lost his starting job a bit. So you've got to get a bit lucky, I think, and survive a lot of injuries. The injuries yeah. are the ones. The injuries are the ones that get real teams and get your fantasy teams. Get enough injuries, and you can't survive. Yeah, sure. No, I, I, I understand that. So, so I'm a fantasy Premier League player, so I, I know all too well the uh, kind of what an injury can do to, to well, obviously not only a player in real life, but to, to your fancy team as well, because it, it does force you into perhaps uh, dropping them out of your team when actually you don't really want to. And uh, also when you drop them out, uh, kind of who do you replace them with that are, are going to be just as effective or, or even uh, of a similar value. And often it is the, the ones that are at the, kind of lower end of the cap that are the ones that get injured and, and they are very hard to kind of replace certainly if if the one if they are performing well as well because the, the, the ones that kind of the, the lesser value are tend to be rookies tend to be bench players tend to be kind of the ones that don't get a lot of minutes on the pitch and uh, obviously that reflects in the, in the points that they pick up through the season uh, so who uh, are, are you picking uh, yourself this week if you are, if you wish to kind of divulge that information or are you kind of one that keeps it close to their chest until game day picking for fantasy purposes or yes yeah yeah for your fantasy, fantasy slots uh so my team uh, well for my, my team that i run um i have rogers at quarterback uh so hopefully he'll have a better um game than he did last week he kind of disappeared on me um I've got Derek Henry at running back. That could be a struggle against the Chiefs, um, but he's, he's a solid player, so should keep should get me ten, twelve points, maybe. Um, yeah, again, Austin Eckler, 
depends on how the Chargers do, but that, I don't like that Raiders defense, so I think Chargers could get a lot of running done on them. So fingers crossed you might get something. Um, I think I'm again, I'm against somebody playing against Saquon Barkley, which is a bit scary when they're playing my Jets. So <laughs> he, he could have his first really good game of the season. Um, I've got Travis Kelsey at tight end. He's been a bit disappointing, surprisingly. Um, hasn't really been targeted a lot. No, that that is a surprise because he was he was probably uh, the, one of the the go to men uh, uh, last year. So, um, kind of what's what's happened uh, there in your mind? Has there been a, a change of tactic or kind of what's what's uh, what's what's going on? Well, I think I think when Kareem Hunt went out, um, teams then were able to target Kelsey a lot more. Double team sort of put the extra coverage on him, especially around um, the red zone. So he's not getting those sights and looks from either quarterback. Um, definitely Mahomes going out obviously wouldn't have helped him the last few weeks, but he did get his first touchdown last week. So hopefully that'll kick him on a bit. And obviously Hunt coming back takes some of that coverage away because they've got to respect his speed more. Um, and again, it's, it's been one of weird ones because some of those wide receivers, there's been so many wide receivers for Kansas City do quite well. Um, Sammy Watkins had a massive first week and then has disappeared as he does. Um, Hardman's quite solid. They've had enough players to just get them by. And they've thrown a lot to the wide receivers. So they, I think that's pushed away from tight end. Um, maybe that'll come back. Maybe it won't. It's a tough one, tight ends. Unless you had Gronk for years on end, you're not guaranteed anything. Uh, I think the top scoring tight end in fantasy is Austin Hooper for the Falcons. Wow, okay. So, so that's a that's just a random thing where he's just targeted a lot. Mm. So sometimes you just you, no matter how much knowledge you've got on these things, you get it wrong. Um, we saw that in the draft. Whenever you drafted this year, I think Saquon Barkley was number one pick mostly. But obviously, if you drafted drafted Christian McCaffrey at three and four, you're laughing because he gets like seven or eight touchdowns a week, seemingly. <laughs> it seems like defenses just can't see him. Yeah, he's a, he's a mystifying one. He's their only focal point, and yet he still gets missed. Well, that's certainly how it felt. For, must have how, uh, must have been how it felt for for Travis Kelsey last year. Um, I think there was a highlight that went by when I when I was watching uh, the games back and preparing for the episodes last year. I don't think there was a, a game that didn't go by where where Kelsey wasn't causing some kind of trouble. If it wasn't touchdowns, then he was making runs that were opening holes up for for the running backs and and yeah he just kind of seemed like a, a the, the 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 go-to man for for uh, the chiefs last year and it's just interesting now that it's it's you know as you say the probably the double coverage um isn't isn't helping a lot but um at the same time i guess that must open up areas um elsewhere on the pitch so uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of as you say when kareem hunt comes back how that might change the dynamic a little bit. If someone with his pace and kind of his urgency, um, it may force the the, the coverage um, to to kind of respond and act differently. And maybe that will open it up for Kelsey a bit more. Fingers crossed. We'll see. I guess time will tell <laughs> on those things. So um, with uh, so kind of um, how, how do you? Uh, forecast uh, kind of the, the betting um, for, for this week 
<coughs> obviously we had a, a big win in our last episode if anybody uh, remembers listening back um, Stephen one of our regular contributors um, tipped up a 42 to 1 12 team accumulator um, and we were just one uh, win uh, away on our 14 to 1 treble as well so um, we'd like to keep this going we like to be able to suggest to you guys kind of um, uh, big value in the market so Andy do you have any uh, uh, tips at all do you do you bet regularly on the on the uh, yeah on the I always I always try to go for the accumulators um, I think last week was a there were a lot of clear-cut games seemingly um, where there was a favorite to go for this week it's a bit more it's a bit of a you've got to pick your poison I think um, so some of the spreads kind of interest me a bit more this week but for pure wins I think just looking at the games, Chargers, Ravens, I think with the Ravens defense, I'd fancy the Chargers to sneak that one. Um, Chiefs, Titans, the Titans just too inconsistent for my liking. I think the Chiefs with Mahomes back should win that handily by about seven. Uh, Cardinals, Bucks, uh, the Bucks are the favorites, but I still fancy them to put points on the Cardinals just because they can throw the ball a lot. Um, they've got two very good wide receivers and I think they'll overpower them Saints-Falcons I think that's a, that's a gimme Saints win that's probably the easiest game to pick in their um, sphere of games yeah obviously the, the, the Colts have got the, the Dolphins as well as which we, we, we mentioned earlier um, yeah str- strangely enough that, that's that's one where I might go with the spread of the Dolphins because the Dolphins are like 10.5 points okay and I think depending on um, if Brissett's definitely clear the play or not if Brissett doesn't go 10 and a half points might interest me with the Dolphins okay to keep that to keep that close so so just uh, just explain to um, some of our listeners what, what point spread um, is in, in, in kind of uh, the, the best terms possible just to kind of so we can uh, open so for instance in a game like the Dolphins Colts the point spread is basically if you went with the Dolphins at 10 and a half points they get a 10 and a half point advantage at the start so if they scored 10 points they'd score 20 and a half points at the end of the game so if the Colts don't score more you win the spread you beat the spread um, if the Colts beat them by more than 10 and a half you lose um, I think the biggest spread of the week is uh, Falcons have got 13 on the Saints and there's some very small spreads around I think um, smallest is probably Chargers Ravens Raiders Raiders just have a positive one so that could be that's, a, that's a, it's basically a 50-50 game so um, I think with the spreads it's diff- I, t- I don't tend to use them a lot but when there's when there's a lot of close games like there are this weekend that could go either way the spread can kind of dictate to you maybe leaning one way or the other um, I look at the games like the Vikings Cowboys that's a 50-50 game so if the Vikings are, have a plus three in the spread maybe worth taking the Vikings um, but it just kind of diversifies where you think you may go um, if you think a team's not going to underperform. Um, surprisingly, the Lions have positive points this week against the Bears. Um, don't know how that's happened because the Lions would be favourite to me as the Bears can't score any points. That's, uh, uh, that's interesting. So what, what's the, uh, uh, the the spread on the, the Lions versus the Lions, Bears? Lions, when, when I took this on, I think I took this on Monday, it was two and a half points. Okay. So that's got to be a... I think that... If there were a safe ones to bet on this week, I'd say take the Lions over the Bears, um, take the Colts over the Dolphins in a pure 
um, pick them. Um, probably definitely take the Saints over the Falcons. You won't get much for that. Chiefs over the Titans. Uh, <laughs> Giants over the Jets, I hate to say it. Um, the rest kind of... there. There's a lot of close games in there. Uh, obviously, the Ravens against the Bengals. I take that as well. And then you get into the ones where you just don't know. Um, so the Rams versus the Steelers. I think the Rams will win that. Um, they're favorites by three and a half points in the spread, which isn't huge, but I think they should beat that. Um, Panthers, Packers. Panthers have four and a half points, but ooh, it depends which Packers turn up. Um, Panthers should keep that close. So again, that's a 50-50 game. And then you look at the Monday night game with the Seahawks 49ers. Seahawks have six points. I definitely take the Seahawks with that with that advantage. Probably not on a um, straight line game, but I probably just with the with the points, the Seahawks probably have a little bit of an advantage to keep that close. Excellent, Andy. So do you want to just uh, re- review quickly for me the, the the teams that you've picked um, and and the spreads uh, that you're that you're going for, just to kind of just so round, round pure te- so pure teams. I take Chargers uh, over the Ra- Raiders, uh, Chiefs over the Titans, Bucks over the Cardinals, Saints over the Falcons. Uh, I'm going to risk it and take the Browns over the Bills, uh, Ravens over the Bengals, Lions definitely over the Bears. Colts definitely over the Dolphins. Um, Rams will beat the Steelers. Packers will just beat the Panthers. Cowboys will beat the Vikings. Giants will beat my lovely Jets. And I think in a pure term, I take the 49ers. But that's one where, if you're going with the spread, maybe the Seahawks. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much, Andy. Um, so I'll just uh, take you through um, uh, my accumulator for for this week. Um, it's it's a, just a straightforward um, uh, match result uh, um, accumulator. So this um, uh, also includes overtime result if you are betting with Skybet. Um, so I've gone with the Chargers over the Raiders, uh, Ravens over the Bengals, Saints over the Falcons. Uh, Chiefs to beat the Titans, Colts obviously to beat the Dolphins, uh, Packers to beat uh, the Panthers, uh, LA Rams to beat the Steelers, Lions to beat the Bears, and Buffalo Bills to beat Cleveland Browns. Um, and that's a ninefold which pays forty to one. So it's good. Got a chance. It's got a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, I, I think you, you you pointed out quite an interesting point there actually to to say that. Uh, the Detroit Lions have been given a point uh, spread advantage over the Bears, even though in your mind you think that they're the favourites. Um, but you know, 11 to 10 on Skybet, so they, they, they're thinking that the Chicago Bears are probably the favourites um, for that matchup. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to, to see how that one shakes out. Yeah, I, th- I, I think the Lions can score points. I don't think the Bears can. Um, they're struggling with Trubitsky at the minute. Their offensive line's not great, they can't run the ball. They're relying too much on their defense. I think the Lions, Stafford's having a good season. He's chucking it around a lot, I think. I think as you said earlier in the show as well, that the the, the Lions will look to kind of really uh, go out and try and uh, win as many games as possible over the next sort of six or seven weeks as well. I Um, think they kind of need it, yeah. They they haven't got a terrible record either. I mean, they could turn it around into a winning record over the next two or three weeks um, quite uh, quite easily. Um, and, And certainly, yeah... 
games like uh, this one against the Bears that are, are three and five, and as you say, not necessarily uh, performing with a lot of confidence. It, it could be a good game for them. Definitely, I think if the Lions have a, I'm just looking at Lions' schedule to see if they've got something they can recover from. Um, yeah, I think they've got they got the Bears. Cowboys next week, Redskins, Bears again, Vikings, Bucks, Broncos. They've got a lot of winnable games in there if they put up some decent decent run. So yeah, should be there or thereabouts. Well, let's hope it starts with the Bears this weekend, man, because we've we, we both backed them. Uh, they're Definitely. A, they're at a good price. And uh, yeah, certainly an opportunity there to make a little bit of money. Definitely. Excellent. Andy, do you have anything else to add um, at all on, on this week's games? Um, have you got any kind of other opinions that you'd like to share with uh, with our audience at all? Um, yeah, well, not so much in the games. More about um, just your thoughts on like, your take on sort of the Wembley, the Wembley experience. This last, it was the last Wembley game. I went to it. Um, and how you find, have you been to many games yourself? How do you find the experience? They've bandied around an NFL franchise coming to the London yeah, so um, obviously I, I unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to go to any of the uh, the London games this year. Um, in fact, actually the last time I went to a London game was actually when the Colts uh, came over um, about three or four years ago now. So it's, it's been quite a while since I've actually seen a, a, a game live. Um, I think that's more just due to kind of how I support um, the sport. I actually mm. see it much more in a through a kind of uh, a football uh, mentality that you go to the games of, of, of the teams that you support, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, so obviously I've not had a, a huge amount of opportunities to, to go see the Colts. Um, did obviously, um, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it certainly is uh, going to be an attitude that changes over the uh, over time. Certainly if a, a London franchise was to come here full time, I, I think um, I'm, going to be one of those ones that are very going to be very conflicted um, with kind of how I continue to support um, the Colts um, as as much as I could potentially support uh, a full-time NFL franchise uh, especially just being uh, you know 45 minutes down the road from London uh, Central um, it would be personally it'd be very hard for me to continue to support a team that is on the other side of the world when I could support a team that is here playing, you know, eight games a year um, and is, you know, uh, accessible in terms of I can go to most games every year, I can get a season ticket, I can get a jersey, I can get involved the whole kind of week to week experience. Um, it's looking like the potentially that the Jacksonville Jaguars may be the, 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 the franchise that um, moves over, although we have had a few news stories over the last couple of weeks that the LA Chargers could potentially be interested in a move to London as well. And certainly the last two times that they've been in London, they've really kind of had a, a backs against the wall kind of performance and really pulled it out of the bag for the for the fans in the in, in the stadium in the fourth quarter. Um, and certainly in my mind would have won a lot of uh, fans um, for that style of play as well. So it will be interesting to see if a full-time franchise does come here. It will certainly be interesting to see, kind of like yourself, 35-odd years of supporting the Jets, kind of how you feel about having a full-time franchise here in this country. Would it affect your support of the Jets at all? 
Uh, I don't think it would in my personal, in my opinion, just because I'm stuck with it this long and it's been this painful. <laughs> I'm not giving up now. Um, but yeah, I, don't, uh, I think there's kind of a divided camp. I think some of the more old school fans like myself have stuck with teams and would stick with teams. I think there's some teams you'd stick with just because it's who you are. I think there's some who may switch. And obviously there's a lot of the younger fans who haven't committed to anything long term. I think... Whether this actually happens, I'm kind of on the opinion that it probably won't, just because I think there's too many things against it. Um, the logistics would be very difficult to get over. How you'd run a season? Would you have like four home games in a row, then four away games, and then four home games and four away games? How would you run that? Um, so players had a bit of stability. Um, I think it's difficult from that perspective. I think the fan base would be kind of divided. I think there are a lot of fans of some teams in this country. I think Dolphins have a lot of fans. Um, I think Steelers have a lot of fans over here. Yeah, um, I, think the, I think the Raiders have got, have got a lot of fans as well from like kind of their their spell in the late eighties and nineties. Um, so there's there's a lot of Raiders fans left over in this country as well. Uh, I think yeah, there are there are certain teams who have a big fan bases over here. Whether the Jaguars or the Chargers would do long term, I think they'd have to earn a lot more fans to start filling out. So I'm going to assume it's going to be Tottenham's ground, whether they could fill 65,000 for eight games. That would be a bit difficult on the long term because that's obviously twice as many games as we've currently had. Yeah. And Wembley was struggling a bit the last two weeks with crowds just because the games weren't stellar. I think whether that would affect crowds long term. Um, and also, I think, from my personal aspect, I think we've probably got four games over here. That's probably enough. In the, in the short term, maybe the NFL maybe needs to look to games held in other countries like Germany or Finland, where there's massive fan bases as well. Because I always find there's a lot of Germans in the crowd whenever I go to a Wembley game. Yeah, I think obviously that that's what made London uh, appealing in the first place um, when they when they first uh, introduced the international series is is that it was relatively relatively central to to a lot of their kind of um, uh, outside of America, kind of fan bases, as you say, um, Finland. It's not uh, too um, arduous a flight down uh, from the from the northern hemisphere, from the sort of northern reaches. Um, similar for Germany, it's a two three hour flight. I'm sure there, were, there would have been a lot of people come over from from France and and, and other places, but um, kind of going out into Central and Eastern Europe is is there is there much. Um, kind of call for the for the game to to be out there at any any point in the year. Uh, I, I don't I think, think yeah, I don't I don't think there's this good Russia's kind of starting to pick up the sport a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know from both the the male and the female side of it, they've got teams, international teams now, so they're starting to pick it up a bit. Um, other destination might be Barcelona. Be good to have a game at the Camp Nou. That would be a great place to have a game. Obviously, for simply fact it's. A lot of people get to go to Barcelona. It's a good yeah. selling point. Um, and it's obviously a stadium that could hold a lot of people. Um, so that might be an alternative. I think from the eastern side, I, I don't think there's enough demand there. Probably, I think, between the UK, Germany, probably the biggest two nations as far as this game goes. So maybe those stick to those in the short term. Do you, think, we'll do you, think, do you think there's enough... Do you think there's a big enough fan base or, or a big enough call for 
them to maybe reintroduce or certainly um because we i remember growing up i was like sort of eight nine ten years old there used to be a european nfl yeah the world yeah the world league yeah, I mean, is that still... I don't even know if that's still a thing, and that probably says no. a lot about like, the coverage that it gets, if it is, but... Yeah, that wasn't wasn't highly publicised back then. It was kind of a feeder league for the NFL. It was useful for the NFL to get players. That's how Kurt Warner got into the league. Yeah. Um, and obviously Germany back then had three teams, so there was three individual franchises in. Like, I think they, Berlin had a team, uh, Rhine had a team, and I think Frankfurt had a team. Do you think it would ever be possible then? Because obviously we've got the AFC and the NFC. Do you think it would ever be possible to have kind of a uh, a European um, kind of uh, league setup um, that then you know the top two or the top three teams um, of the, of the let's call it the you know the EFC or whatever the European you know football. Um, Oh, God, my mind's gone blank. What's the, the C stand for? Conference. The European Football Conference. Would there be uh, ever a, a, a time in our lifetimes, do you think, where we've got kind of 12, maybe maybe 16 teams uh, across Europe competing and maybe the top two or three then, then go over and compete in a, uh, in, in a playoff style with the, with the NFC and the AFC teams? I think, well, I think that it would be, it would be a struggling to do that because obviously this... We've obviously got teams in these countries. We've got professional league. We've got leagues in Britain and leagues in Germany. Other cases, I think if you're gonna, you'd have to be a separate franchise. It'd have to have a lot of American players. I think the homegrown players aren't there yet. The standard drop off between saying British Brit ball game and the NFL is massive. Um, the level of coaching is obviously a huge drop off. Um, I think, obviously, I think whenever the GB lines ever compete against anyone like Canada or uh, the US who are basically sending out teams who are like semi-pro or or just do it for fun we always get hammered because the standard drop off just from those levels is, is massive um, we'd always struggle with it we're doing better um, I think as far as the game goes I think just sending in national teams out is the best we can do at the moment um, I know the I've had some involvement. Oh, I've got quite involved in the in watching the um, the GB women's side. Um, so they've obviously had some promotion where they recently had a tournament and they played some other European countries um, and they have played against likes of USA and Canada before. And I think that's they're always good games to get on support. I think it's about our standard for the moment. I think I don't think we'll ever get teams over here settled. It's always going to be a case of the NFL is the top level tier and everything else is a long way below it yeah sure it's a, it, it, and, it, and it is a shame maybe to to, to kind of uh, think that that's always going to be going to be the way because uh, I think as you say we, we've got a, a fan base here in the UK um, and, and as you say around Germany and, and Finland as well has got a got a really big fan base so, so appetite for the sport of American football is quite high but um yeah, as you say, I think in terms of perhaps maybe it's kind of like a, a career prospects kind of thing that that it'll always be seen as maybe a, a hobbyist or a semi-professional um, uh, kind of uh, sport. Whereas, see, Europe is so dominated by uh, well, let's call it soccer for the for the for the sakes of the uh, the, the differentiation. But um, 
because obviously the career prospects for, for youngsters looking up, maybe you know to be a player, to be a coach, to be a manager, there's a lot more kind of roots um, in in terms of a professional sense um, to to kind of follow that sport and, and follow the follow the lines down that sport than there probably ever will be for for an American sport that's that's been exported. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I just think I think from from a growth perspective as far as the NFL goes, I think they need to kind of look how they're going to grow the game going forward. I know they've started to do some of the grassroots stuff here with um, um, trying to get like running like day camps for um, younger 15, 16 year old kids to like have a day with professionals and so do some training. Um, that happened at Spurs as part of the build up. I think more of that needs to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen some UK players go over and play. Obviously, um, Effiabada, obviously, is at Carolina doing quite well. We've had some players play for the Raiders recent, uh, relatively recently in the offensive line. Uh, Jack Crawford was another one who made it. Um, yeah, let's not forget JJ, who uh, won, won, won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago as well. Not, yeah. not sure where he is anymore. He seems to have vanished the face of the earth. But yeah, I, I read somewhere um, just just the other day actually. I think he he, he became he was injured um, and then dropped by the Eagles. I believe he's on trial at the moment at the Lions. Okay. So uh, they need a running back. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that works out for him, and and, he, and we will see him. Back I think. On the, yeah. The <clears throat> I think that's the path. Basically, if the NFL put a bit more money into sort of more camps for young players, and then more possible possibilities yeah, to get them trained younger, and I then get them done to go really to college as well by introducing the international player pathway. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of their official kind of. That, you know, we want to introduce uh, players from from all countries, from all walks of life, into in, into the game. Um, and it's, it's certainly seen, uh, uh, as you say, a few successes um, from from our own um, uh, from our own nations, as well as uh, from from across uh, Europe and uh, Australia and, and uh, yeah, but sort of uh, other other areas of the world as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to say. Obviously, we've had a few successes. Margaret Hunt was one who did quite well at the Colts from Estonia. He, yes, of course. He, yeah. he was he was a very good he's a very good player. I think he's still kicking around the league somewhere, making making a name for himself. Um, yeah, there's obviously a few, but I think there's been a few, probably not enough successes. Um, be interesting. Christian Wade's obviously went the Bills to sit for a year, see how he does after that. He's another one who's gone in. Some haven't really made it, um, but think, it'd be interesting to see. I think what's really going to tip it over the edge is if you get a, 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 a player come through the, uh, the international player pathway um, as a quarterback. As the poster boy for the team, um, and and he's going to fly the flag both for for whoever he's playing for um, and for the country of his uh, uh, of his origin, um, and that is probably really what what we're waiting for. Um, JGI did it for for, for um, uh, Britain and London as a, as a running back, um, and, and did very did very well. Uh, and the, the Eagles have done very well in terms of attracting a, a new fan base off the back of that. But um, just looking across the board, I mean, obviously. I mean, the, the Giants would probably be the one that jump out at me the the most as someone that probably needs a new uh, quarterback to come in mm. and kind of really like push them forward. Um, so you know, if, if that was someone from Munich, from London, from Paris, I think actually the the interest in the in the in, certainly in the the Giants 
from that kind of area of the world would, would increase massively because typically the, the, the shot caller tends to be the poster boy for the team as well. That's very true, yeah. But I think to do that, it, it's basically getting play, getting those 15, 16-year-olds well-trained enough to then go play college ball and get through the college route. I think that's probably the route they're going to have to go through to get to have a successful quarterback, successful really players. Still kind of embed themselves in the American I, system rather than I, go through yeah, the international. I think because Joe, because Joe, 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 he was did play college ball a bit. So I think some of these guys have played college ball, which has helped them mm-hmm. get them up to a standard that then they can make the NFL. I think that's probably that's probably still the best route to go. Um, it's interesting to see the cat the Giants need a cat quarterback. I think it's quite a lot of teams are going to need a quarterback come next season. Um, just a fan I can think of about. Six or seven, the new quarterbacks from the close season. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming kind of uh, a, a position where there's a there's a lot of um, old men hanging around. So um, and so, a lot of people ending their contracts. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it will be interesting to see what happens over the next two or three seasons with, with that position for certainly for those six or seven teams that, that are definitely in need. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll get a chance to discuss that in more detail sure on future episodes, certainly as the draft ever approaches as well. We'll be uh, keeping an eye on uh, who's going to be coming through there and certainly start to form uh, a draft board of kind of who might be the next uh, the next rising star to come up through the ranks. Yeah, definitely so. Excellent. Andy, cool. thank you very much for joining me uh, this week. Uh, I hope pleasure. to have you back on the show again. In, uh, in future weeks. Um, if you have enjoyed uh, this episode of the 4th and 1 podcast, please go along to the, the Facebook page, um, follow us, leave some comments, um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're happy to, to get back to you. And uh, If you yourself uh, are a, a long-time fan or a long-suffering fan, in, in Andy's case, um, of, a, of, a, of an NFL team, you fancy your chances at, at being a, a guest on the show, by all means, drop us a message and uh, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll sign you up and uh, we'll, have a, we'll, have a, we'll have a chat about your pains, as it were. That's great. Thanks Excellent, a lot. Andy. Thank you very much for your time. No problems. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.